You totally have that vibe. Like, yeah. you, you can really be on your Erica Badu <laughs> shit. I'm like, gonna I, do it, guys. You can actually just do like a couple series therapy audiobook. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna do that. Hold on to your lover. <laughs> Your voice is so extra. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> it even shook me a bit. Like, yeah, my I brother. Like, I was like, I will. <laughs> Wait, I mean, not like that. <laughs> You're both wild. <laughs> the rum is setting it. <laughs> it's yeah. It's liquidated. She's present. Um, so, Eyes, mm-hmm. um, as a writer director, yeah. Living in the this wonderful nation. Mm-hmm. Where do you draw your stories from? Like, what? Where do you pull your creativity from? All of it comes from my own experience. Yeah. That's where I. That's my first point of departure, because my whole thing from when I started film school was like, I don't want to be telling things that I don't have. You know, I don't have like the nuances mm. from the lived experience. Yeah. to share it with because my big problem is this issue of representation and how we've been represented in the media yeah. and that's so like it's it's all about Eurocentric fucking white males mainly coming mm-hmm. in to SA and taking our stories and turning them into Invictus <laughs> and, <laughs> and I've been hell bent on not like doing that and the wound also fucking pissed me off so much because it's such an important story that needed to be told yeah. but I think who was telling it was, was the wrong. problem yeah. and so, sometimes yeah. just that alone is problematic enough exactly it's like just the simple fact that like it, not like there was something wrong with like your film was great but the simple fact that like you were not the one to tell the story Exactly. And I don't know why people don't check themselves these days. Like, why don't people just say, like... Or each other. Yeah. Yeah. Your whole writer's team. Did no one stop to be like, whoa. But I think sometimes as young black people, we're just happy to be here. Like, we're happy to be a part of, like, a big production and be working on something. You know, youth unemployment is high, so we just forget to actually say like no you don't you don't want to speak out too much because you know it's an honor it's an honor it's, it's a, privilege. a privilege but i also feel like that, that's where like you know the sort of um the state is supposed to come in you know what i mean because i feel like if i look at other countries and how they protect their heritage you know Minister sometimes of arts and culture yeah <laughs> sometimes to their detriment but a lot of times it's just to be like yo there's a certain standard to which we're going to tell these stories and we're not going to tell stories about ourselves in the wrong way exactly or if this story has to be told we need to make sure that it's people who can really tell it well, who are mm. from there, who know everything, all the nuances about it. Otherwise, yeah. you're telling a good story, but it's half told. It's half told. You mm. don't have it. You don't have all of the information. Oh, it's a fantasy. Yes, mm. version of what you think this reality is. Yeah. And it becomes that kind of like, you know when you talk about that like heart of darkness, romanticized Africanness. Mm-hmm. It's just like, you know, this is what happens. Yeah. And I think that's what, I think, yeah, the whole controversy around labor, it was really kind of, it was such, it was so it was such a difficult conversation to have because at the, on one level, like, I wasn't agreeing with the protesters, but then mm. there was, like, this other... But at the same time, I don't know if I was fully supporting the film because I was like, I don't know if I support who's telling the story. Yeah. You know, so that was a very, very difficult... And you can even see it in the technical in the film. So I went to the, the launch, like, the soft launch at the waterfront, mm-hmm. and... Even the, I was looking at the cinematography specifically because I could almost tell that John Trangrove knew that he wasn't supposed to be telling that story and he left a lot in the shadows. He left a lot of the information that should have been brought to the forefront mm-hmm. in the shadows, even through his cinematography. And I feel like maybe subconsciously or on some level, he knew that he wasn't supposed to be telling that story, but he did so anyway because he knew it would cause controversy. Yeah. And I'm just like, yeah. 
that was I was I had such a big problem with that film. But then where do we where do we draw the line as creators? Because I, like I once um I once went through this like this period where I was listening to like a lot of like sixties like Bollywood music, mm-hmm. right? Um, like Muhammad Rafi and like guys like that, like these great composers of that era. Because just a little backstory, like mm. after World War Two, um, in Europe and most of like Western society, you had all these guys who were trained to become engineers and builders of this and making bombs and blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And then World War Two ends, and it's like okay, cool, you guys can go home now. So a lot of these guys had all this like talent in building things but they you know they didn't want to make weapons anymore they couldn't make weapons anymore yeah. and there was all this surplus of factory materials and like mm-hmm. skills that they had developed and a lot of them went into music which is why from the 19 mid 40s to like the 60s music technology went to this huge like upswing where like all the parts that go into like recording an album like microphones cables mixing discs tape machines like it all got a lot better very quickly yeah. But in this, in the, what's very interesting about Bollywood music at the time, or Indian music at the time, was that India was an English colony. Mm-hmm. So they were influenced a lot by what was happening in England, but they didn't have the same history. So they heard how these sounds were adapting and changing and blah, blah, blah. So in an effort to mimic it, they very much created their own style. Mm. Yeah. So I was listening to this and I was like, oh man, this is so cool. Like, I'm like, I'm really, really drinking all of this in mm. and like, you know, the way things sound within the setting. And then I wanted to sort of do a project where like I sample it and I sort of make like a beat tape out of it. And then somewhere along the line, I realized that like, oh wait, this isn't my culture to be like fiddling with, mm-hmm. you know? And then I, I still don't know the answer, but like, I kind of asked myself like, am I allowed to do this, you know? And like, where do you sort of draw the mm-hmm. line as a storyteller? Yo, that's a difficult one. Cause it's, it's that thing of like appreciation versus appropriation. appropriation. Yeah. It's that same conversation that I think doesn't really have an answer Um, but for me in my practice I will always have a black woman as a protagonist that's been my goal since Mm. I started making films and I only have black women in the writers room yeah and so for that so I don't I don't that's not a territory I teeter around where I'm like I think you're you're talking about kind of like the idea of like you know you're obviously talking about sampling but Mm. I mean obviously again you're talking about like the actual storytelling and like from like in, in, like an original mm. work basis yeah so I, I do think they are kind of slightly different realms yeah of conversation i feel like i would be in that conversation if i was if i received a script that i haven't written myself mm. from and i actually this happened to me um at the end of last year where a friend of mine was writing the script and it was set in like a in a colored community yeah about colored women and like it was very very kind of cemented and rooted in colored and identity culture, and yeah. that experience. Yeah. And I I was I realized that I can't make this. Yeah. Mm. I turned it down because I was like I'm not the person to make this story. The story mm. needs to be made. Yeah. And maybe it needs to be made by you the writer. Yeah. But like if you don't want to direct I think that I, I, I put it, I, rather, I I was like yeah. I can't. I can't claim to know this experience because as much as like as women of color and as POC we all come together in those ways mm. there are those lines where yeah. this is mine through, yeah. you know and this is yours and that's fine and I think we should celebrate those things in order and also because colored identity is something that has been very under discussed yeah, yeah. and but that, I, I think yeah. that speaks to your own like ego as an artist because yeah. 
you know, I mean, a lot of people in your position would have been like, oh, well, you know, the writer came to me and, mm. you know, and asked they had, me. they asked and, me yeah. and I thought this would be a great collaboration and like it was their story. I was just, you know, expressing it, you know what I mean? There's so and many people ideas. Will find, yeah, people will create a whole narrative to justify why it makes sense. So mm-hmm. I think it's just that idea, like, that's why they talk about like ego and art can yeah. coexist because it's, it's really dangerous. Yeah. Dangerous. Because you'll find, you'll find such creative ways to justify your your problematic activities exactly you you have to check that ego you have to check and it was a brilliant script and Mm. i really wanted to make it i had so many beautiful ideas but i was like this the subtext and the nuances in the story are going to be missed by me Mm. so i can't i can't take it on so i had to turn it down and that's important because we're also at a time where you know our our industry and like well especially like the film industry is still quite young and 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 Mm. the culture of it is still quite underdeveloped so whatever you're doing now is so important in creating the foundation and culture of that industry that like Mm. you have to tread very carefully and you have you know what i mean yeah You you have to be very specific and very um very conscious of every step you're taking you can't just do things for the sake of you have to just be because you know one day these will be in the textbooks. Exactly. These will be what people reference and stuff. And you have to make sure the story is right. Exactly. And I think, yeah, it's, in, it's incredible that you have the insight as an artist to, to, to make that decision. It's fucking hard. Because <laughs> you want imagine, it, you yeah. know? It's so difficult to wrestle with your ego in that way. Mm. But yeah, I think it's something that a lot more creatives should be engaging with and conversations that need to be shared and had mm. amongst us as creatives because a lot of people don't know this. Yeah. Like they don't, they don't think about these these points of like departure and points of making things mm. and yeah i just feel like so then okay so as someone in your position mm-hmm. what's it do you call do you call people out yeah. do, you, do you say like or is it just one of those things that like you you look at it and you're like okay that's problematic but like like with like the wound were mm. you like i called uh, cape talk i wanted to talk to you cbs mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> i was like you cbs hear me out babes i've got the chats i was there <laughs> and yeah i'm all about it i've been writing articles about it and yeah. sharing them uh well with my platforms at varsity and even like other students I've, I've been kind of dubbed on campus as like that person who's always got a problem with something and yeah. i'm just like because you need to know rather. like you, you need to know no but and i'd like, rather step back and apologize it's that whole yeah. thing like, if, you, if you're not angry you're not listening exactly. you're not paying attention yeah 100%. exactly i mean listen to you now like i feel like i was almost like too angry at like the wrong thing when that movie came out because I was angry at like the way we as sort of like the closer, the the closer, closer men this is the way we responded to, to like the idea of homosexual love and like yes. you know that sort of relationship you know that's what upset me because I was like fuck I, like, I thought I lived in this progressive ass yeah. it turns out yeah. you know <laughs> yeah. and like because like you know whenever I get the chance to speak about South Africa I always speak about like the constitution and how fucking incredible that mm-hmm. shit is like those pieces of paper are like the mixtape from the future because yeah. they really like <laughs> they really figured out like how to protect the Everyone. individual within yeah. a society mm. and in terms of also in terms of problems that we can't foresee right now yeah you know i think we had like civil unions in like 1996 mm. no 
Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm saying, yeah, yeah, we're, yeah. we're out of like we're, we're, yeah. we're, we're I mean, like, weird. you know, you <laughs> yeah. you look at other places in the world, people weren't even having that conversation, bro. yeah, and it's just because the people who sat down and wrote that thing were so were just so aware of. I mean, you have modern Western societies that still look to our constitution, constitution as yeah. a reference point, yeah, because it was just so beautifully architectured. But then that's why it hurt so much when like they were like, uh, no, we can't play this in cinema; it's pornographic. Yeah, and, like I, give I, it, I, well, I, give it an X rating. I wa- I want to go and watch this, like I want to be a part of it but yeah. like but now that i'm hearing you speak there's there's also like another problem with it and i think that's the thing about art is that it's always it's always such a hot topic in terms of like who wrote it yeah who is it for yeah and all those little like nuances all those mm. nuances you know mm. and i think also as as um as consumers we're not taught to look at those things yeah. so the other question then becomes it's like how do we re-educate how do we not re-educate rather educate consumers to like look at the right parts yeah. you know you know like I, I just think i think as as consumers you can be very ignorant you know and and it's like for you as a filmmaker yeah. how how do you go about educating the consumer on how to appreciate your your form of art yeah or like what i'm trying to say in my yeah. voice i use comedy I sneak it in through comedy. I've got I'm developing a subgenre of comedy called comedy as coping, yeah. which is for, by and about black people. Yeah. Um and the film that I made at the end of last year that went to Cannes. Yeah. Mm, Wait, can we just snap a little yeah. bit? <laughs> 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 yeah, that film was um Oh, this was one of my favorite projects, which I'm developing into a series now. Mm. Um, so that was a teaser project. Mm. And Apparently Netflix is it's, yeah, you know, got the coins. Yeah, Netflix yeah, is. Yeah, like, hey, girl. Yes, babe. I'm like, give it to me. <laughs> um, so that film caused a lot of stir around campus because it was black women discussing race and sexuality and men in a very... I don't want to say crass, but it was quite crass. Yeah. It, there was like no curtains. It's exactly how I communicate with my girlfriends over some glasses of wine, whether I'm at Ganesh or at home. Like mm. we talk about whiteness in this almost in a vicious way and mm. in a way that's overt. And mm. like we're not hiding things because we're talking to each other. Yeah. So I decided to talk to the audience like that as well. Mm. And I don't know if it's something that people weren't ready for or what, but on campus, like I got called in and Yo. they were like, why is your film bullying white people Yo, Imagine. I can hear Catherine is very and I was like <laughs> bullying because I'm representing them in the way that I've been treated by them on yeah. multiple occasions because I'm showing the truth as it is as it lies in my experience like that's crazy they were like also there aren't enough white people in your film like where's the representation like, I was like yeah. Yeah. Hmm? Where's, the where's the representation of white people yeah the status quo that we've been existing in the whole time. You want me to now go back to that when I'm trying to change things. Yeah. And so my whole thing is just like, that education is going to come from that discomfort because yeah. at some point, those people have to ask themselves why they're so uncomfortable. Mm. And it's it's a lot easier to, to like laugh about it, but if you, when you're feeling uncomfortable somewhere in there, then I'm just trying to get people to lean into that discomfort. You know, yeah, I, I totally fuck with that because I feel like one thing that we haven't done enough as as black South Africans it's just I think too much of the rhetoric in terms of when it comes to race and things has been like you guys need to see things from our perspective you know you need to feel you need to understand basically like why the past was so traumatizing for us instead of it being 
we're gonna live our lives and have like the kind of conversation that we always have. Yeah. And if you're uncomfortable, that's for you that's to figure out. That's for you out. to figure out. That's yeah. for you to figure out, and you need to figure out why. Yeah. Like, but I even had like a black lecturer come to me and be like, you know, that it was very like blatant your conversation and. You, what you should have done is like you need to show white people that we're smarter than them so beat them at their own game yeah. and sneak it and i was like i don't have time for that i'm here to show th exactly what it is that i've experienced because i know that there's like thousands of black youth who have experienced this very yeah. same thing and uh, i mean my, my friend always used to have um a friend of mine who she's you know she did gender studies and race and politics and mm. she's always you know very heavy on the those type of conversations and she always used to say this thing. It's like it's not my job to educate people. No. And I used to get so frustrated. Like, girl, yeah. like, but how how do we expect them to like understand and sympathize with us if, they, if we don't educate them? And she's like, Tanika, why is it your job to educate them? Just like you know what I mean? Like it's if they want to understand, then they must go out and seek that education for themselves. But you as a black woman, you need to keep existing and exactly. living your life and doing your things. It's not your job to coddle people and hope and after and after educating them hope that they'll understand, that they understand where you're coming from and also you it's know? the way that you educate them you have to educate them in the way that they understand that, yeah. and so you have to tailor yes. so you, you have know to what I mean? make them feel comfortable and i'm like i genuinely don't have the time for this exactly i'm here to make my people feel comfortable yeah. and you know I, so i can't tailor my conversation or my my argument to suit you so that you're comfortable enough to think about it exactly mm. i'm gonna have i think that's to you you when you put out your arts like you're having the conversation if it made you feel comfortable then you can do some further studies yeah. for yourself and figure out why you feel some type yeah. of way or figure out like why are they talking like this like yeah. that, but that's an endeavor you have to take for yourself you can't expect people to break it down and mm. walk walk you no. walk you through it you know and i think yeah, yeah that's important that's, really that's important. not work i'm willing to do anymore i'm yeah. just like I can't. And, and that's something i've also realized for myself because even after you cuddle people and you show them and you break it down and you put down the syllable like you just do yeah. everything they can still be like okay but okay but so it's just not worth the stress because i think someone who, who's truly set on understanding and wanting to be an ally they will do what they need to do mm. you know mm. um there's no point in like jumping over lens for someone that's never going to really because that's kind of already decided they're not they don't want to understand it's going to break yeah. you down more as yeah. well because of the amount of work that you put out so rather take that work and put it into the positive yeah. aspect of your conversation and then let the rest just happen for whoever mm. is is consuming it like that extra work that you're taking to make this person or th this group of people feel a certain way put that back into your point of conversation and like what you're speaking from and of yeah and regardless of how that person feels afterwards you'll know that you put the best product out exactly and you put something that was honest to yes. your experience because there's no point in like trying to like as you were saying if you had like a bunch of black women speaking on like race and sexuality and stuff like we are crass yeah like, you know, we, we tell it like it we is. tell it like it is you know it'd be alive you were like um well from my pc point of view i think um that's not how we speak and i don't <laughs> want to do this thing of teachbacks through my work mm. like it also it becomes taxing when you feel like you you are overtly trying to educate like that's your goal yeah my goal was just but to that's, represent that's also like a I also feel like that's like a, a, a bad mark in storytelling and be it in music or film or whatever is that mm. you you because i'm too didactic you know no, well you assume that the audience is stupid exactly because yeah. i i hate like watching a film and there's some like big like explanation scene and like whoa with my dad raised me yeah. and then there's like a whole montage of like motherfucker like i would have figured yes. that out yes. based on the relationship <laughs> yes. that you have right now i'm not an idiot yeah. you know yeah. exactly 
So I think from from just a technical storytelling point of view, it's also very smart to not educate because that also leads that also falls the audience with the expectation that you should have already known this. Yeah. You know, and if you don't, well, that's, that's your uh, that's problem. your problem. Yeah. That's on you. And I feel I, I feel very highly of black women. I feel like we are the best. Yeah. And so Same. anything that we're <laughs> chatting about, I'm like, this is a privilege, bitch. Like, <laughs> you're it's welcome. A, you're like, you're, you're welcome. This Being in this room, in this conversation, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not here to make you feel comfortable about being in here. Be grateful that you're here. Yeah. Well, that's the, powerful. I've got another question for you. Mm-hmm. So as a director, you're yeah. you're in charge of like a lot of things on set, you know, cinematography, mm-hmm. writing, lighting, set design, blah. blah. Mm. But at the same time, you have like the burden of knowledge and that you know all the techniques, mm. but the audience doesn't know all the techniques. Mm. How do you sort of edit yourself down to sort of, I want to tell the story and I want to, because there's always that thing of wanting to push yourself in mm. the sense that like you want to do what's challenging but you always have to relate it to an audience that knows less technically about you, you know? Yeah. And I remember watching, I'm only saying this because I watched this masterclass with uh, Now Rogers, mm-hmm. uh, the guitarist from Chic, Chic, and the guy who played guitar on Get Lucky. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I find him so fascinating because he is like fucking talented, mm-hmm. like incredibly good. Um, and I think the amount of hits, because he's, he's played the same guitar for every single song he's played. Something like a billion dollars has like, in terms of sales, have like gone through his guitar. Mm-hmm. But he's a jazz session player, but he made his living making pop songs. And in this one masterclass, he talks about how like, yeah, I'm playing like a F sharp major with a flat 13th, which is a very like heavy jazz chord. Mm. But I'm simpling it, I'm simplifying it in this way so that the audience doesn't hear something weird and get uncomfortable they hear something interesting and they get curious, mm. you know? And I've always, ever since I, ever since watching that, I've always been like, cool, like, how do you do that mm-hmm. in other aspects? How do I do that in production when I'm recording someone? Like, yes, I can make it sound like someone is rapping from the next room and it's coming through the doorway or whatever the hell. Like, I can do all these technique things, but I wonder, how do you edit yourself down mm-hmm. to sort of like always make sure that the audience is interested in what you're doing and not overwhelmed by like what the hell is this yeah well so from a performance perspective i love improv Mm. i feel like um i feel like this whole conversation that what you're asking me is related to how natural things seem and so for me in order to get the most natural performance out of my actors I rely on improv quite heavily. I love improv. And that's why, like, rehearsals are very important for me before we even step onto set. I need my actors to know inside out what's happening in the scene. Not their lines. I'm not one of those directors who's like, you need to know your lines. Exactly. Bar for bar. This is the beat. On this line, you walk there. No. Um... I, I we we drill all of that in rehearsals, and mm. then in the moment I, when I'm directing them on set, I ask them like, "What is happening here? How are you feeling?" Mm. And they can say it, however, whatever feels. And that's a nightmare in the edit yeah. <laughs> <because> <laughs> continuity becomes a bitch. Oh, but yeah. also, I really, really, really trust my editor as well, and yeah. that's where I that's where my main I mean, well, the editing down takes yeah. place is I I have complete trust in my editor and. So I'll come in for like a feedback session of this is how I want it to be. Mm. But he has such a great understanding as well of... Because he is the audience, essentially, as he's doing it. He's Mm. doing it as the audience. Yeah. And so 
I trust him when he says, I know you really want that like take or that scene in, mm. but it's not going to make sense. Yeah, it's not going to work. And so I have to take that point. advice. And this is another thing within this creative field is this thing of like one person <laughs> is the be all and end all. And the director is that, you yeah. know, that's how the world sees them. That's how the crew sees them. Yeah, because if it flops, it's your fault. It's my fault. Yeah. Mm. But I don't take it as that. Uh, for me, everyone on my set is equal because it's a collaborative art, art yeah. Yeah. you know? And like, I'm there to facilitate all of this, but everyone has a role to play and I trust, and the people that I bring onto my sets are people that I trust to do it for the vision and to who understand exactly why I'm telling the story, mm. why I chose this person yeah. and how to light them or whatever, you know? So I have complete trust in my collaborative partners and that helps me a lot in my thing because I am I can get in, into my own head, especially if I've written a script. Yeah. And then, you know, the kind from, of emotional from that emotional journey yeah. and it becomes mm. very difficult to step away from things. We like, you rode in the middle of the night and we're like, oh my God, this is Speaking like art, man. This is art. Yeah. But like... <laughs> You have to step away, and I, I completely trust my collaborative partners and my mentor, Maganthri Pillay, who's the first woman of color to direct a feature in South Africa. Yes. <laughs> so I have complete trust in her because she also takes my things, she separates her director feedback to her audience feedback. Mm. So. See, I struggle with that because, like, in my process, I'm. And maybe it's because, like, I like to sort of, I guess, play to my own ego in the sense that, like, I like to believe I can do everything, mm -hmm. you know? So someone comes in saying, uh, it's like, Uno was in here now, now, and I'm working on a project with him, mm -hmm. right? So I'm, I'm producing, um, I'm recording, I'm going to mix it at the end of it, and, and I'm going to edit all the tracks that they all work together. And I guess part of where I struggle is that, like, I always worry about, am I pleasing myself or am I pleasing the audience? Mm -hmm. You know, because as much as I'd like to say like, oh, it's all about you, dude, and like how you feel and like your creativity. I also like to see my job as, mm -hmm. I also like to see you, my job yeah. as a job and that like you have, you have an obligation to entertain, you know? It's not just about how you're feeling. Yeah. You also have an obligation to entertain people. Because at the same time, if it flops, it's not just going to fall on Uno. He's going to also speak, look at you. Yeah, he's going to say like, but you, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You were the one I was, trusted yeah. you with all these decisions yeah. and mm -hmm. you led me down like the wrong path. But like, yeah, it's 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 an interesting aspect of like creativity, like the sort of self-editing you have to do. Because as much as you trust your editor, mm. there's also times where you have to tell your editor, yeah, no. No, that's not going to work. Yeah. yeah. I don't care how it feels, it has to be this way. Because there's a greater picture that you mm. as a director get to see. Mm. Yeah, I think this whole kind of conversation reminds me of a line from one of my favorite um, poems, um, Ferlinghetti, when he says, like, as an, the artist is constantly risking absurdity. Mm -hmm. And, like, the whole poem speaks to this imagery of someone on a tightrope and mm. just trying to balance it. And I think as an artist, sometimes, like, you have to make those tough decisions and you never know when, like, am I, am I, is this the, is this the step that takes me kind of over 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 the mm. line and mm -hmm. stuff and how do you kind of stay balanced and stay on path because you're always just like constantly risking absurdity yeah. and constantly risking just kind of being a failure and people yeah. not getting it so um when you were when you were making your you know films did you ever they, did you as much as as much as you can like sit here now and say like you love the fact that it was crass and mm. love the fact that you know people being so outspoken mm -hmm. was there a time when you felt like maybe I'm taking much? it too far I did <laughs> and I kind of loved it I was just like mm. oh, and just I was like, I had quite a few white men on set mm -hmm. um, in the camera department naturally mm. and they, 
So there's like, it opens with a comedy scene. It's like uh, quite Seinfeld-esque where it opens and closes on comedy like Louis C.K. show. Yeah. Mm. And then in the middle we go into the everyday life. Yeah. Um, so in the comedy skits, like she, and a lot of it was like, she, we wrote it out, but then when she was re- reciting it, it was just like. Off the cuff. Each yeah. one was just off the cuff, off the cuff. And there was some <laughs> like hectic things that she was saying. And, and I was like, ooh. And yeah. then I looked around and they were like, and I was like, keep going. I was like, Thumbs up. Keep it up, girl. Crank it up. Yeah. Because I want to get there. I want to lean into that discomfort. That's, That's my whole thing. I That's like, where I my like point of education is. Lean, into, lean into your discomfort. That is where the best learning takes place. That's true. So I did get a little bit uncomfortable, but I was like, this is going to be the thing that takes it to that next level. Mm. Where we're not just having these, like, yeah. you know, remedial level conversations and we're taking it up to, like, that chat that nobody wants to have but needs everyone needs to have yeah and do you think and is that like would you say that is like now a part of your style like yeah. do you want every like project you work on to have yeah that kind of i did that punchiness? last year and then this kind this project i made like a, a dramatic comedy thing mm-hmm. um and there again i was like lean in lean but in at the I, same time how, how does the conversation evolve because then don't you ever feel like oh you're not like repeating certain types of rhetoric or is it evolving no. with every project? It evolves with every project. Like Booked, which is the one that I made last year, is a, is about this woman who moves from the Eastern Cape to Cape Town to pursue a career in comedy mm-hmm. and like works in a bookstore mm-hmm. and just her day-to-day ramblings with her best friend and like her crush. And then Love in Loop, which is my latest one, is I took that from my own relationship and that one is is dealing with interracial dating in Cape Town, mm. as well as like a monogamy. Topic. <laughs> a it's for the kids. I'm like, the children need this one. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the most confusing, just roller coaster dirt trail. Yeah. So I thought, let's unpack this. Um, and my two main actors had both been in interracial relationships. We yeah. talk through a lot of the stuff and a lot of the script and add things and remove things that we feel like. I'm sure there's also like you know, a deep sense of like catharsis. With oh my this. God, you have no idea. And that's this one came like, it was very close to home. home. Yeah, and as soon so, as you said it, it was a. <laughs> this is a lot. Like you're tearing up in the final. Yeah. Time. That's a wrap, y'all. That's a wrap, guys. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, and then sitting with it in the edit as well. I'm just like, geez, that screening was the best moment of my life I was just like take it have it guys it's done. have <laughs> it and like like afterwards some filmmakers from my campus and from outside that I really really respect came out and were like thank you for having this conversation on yeah. screen because we've been sitting in our homes kind of dissecting this thing and it's so great to just see it up there and like and it's like fucked upness and in its frankness and it was just like they were really really it was they were so the audience was so receptive and i was so worried about that because i was like because it's so close to me i might just be trying to be like look my life is so interesting look at this you know Um, exactly and the amount of people that related to that it was it was beautiful but then with that being okay with like i mean i hear that and i'm just like Mm. these are these are topics i get i feel Mm. i resonate with but how do you feel when you watch like tv and you watch mzanzi magic and all of that because i mean a lot of people will argue that like oh my god our film industry's gone so far and mm-hmm. we have all these great shows but i'm like okay cool we have a lot of like local shows yeah but they're all but dealing with the same issues like you know there's like a teenage pregnancy yeah there's witchcraft yeah it's you know, <laughs> like, like, cheating so, in the workplace <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> they are these, like, daddy. <laughs> yeah these like south african kind of like storylines that will no matter what the show is about 
whether mm-hmm. some whether it's a taxi family or it's some media publishing house no matter what the where it's set yeah. you get the same storylines coming through so how do you feel like do you think our film industry is really progressed because i mean how can we say we progress mm. if we're showing the no, same stuff no not enough not enough not at all and especially because a lot of writer directors have to go into the commercials world in order to make money yeah. because i feel like a lot of south african funders and distributors are too scared of like raw content yeah and i think that's why my movie did so well internationally before it did at home mm. like but it, why are we so scared like why I, you see that's my problem and i'm I see trying that, to shake I people i see it in every I, aspect of creativity i in think South i think when it, especially when it comes to the film thing i think we underestimate what people will consume because i think it's that whole idea of like we do understand that there is there's a very big divide between they're like two south africans mm. like that are like living parallel to each other and I think when you have these stories, I think they're always trying to feed into like, oh, this is what South Africans will understand. Like, oh, South Africans understand witchcraft because, you know, we've all kind of, we've all grown up, inter- with stories. Yeah. grown up with stories and interacted with it or teenage pregnancy or cheating. Mm. Like they just, I think the reason why these stories keep coming through is because people expect like that's the only stuff that people can understand and relate mm. to. But I think that is so demeaning to the audience. Yeah, it's it so goes, demeaning. It, it goes back to assuming the audience it's is stupid. stupid. Yeah. Yeah. And compartmentalizing who can consume what. Yeah. Exactly. And like when I screen books... imagine, I, mean, yeah. I always think of like, just like, I mean, I've always had this fantasy and this like, I know someone needs to do it and I know it will be done one day. But like, I always think like, how fun would it be to have like a Gossip Girl-esque show set in like Santon and you just like run with that whole, you know, like lifestyle, these privileged new money black yes. kids. Mm. Like, you know, yes. I mean, and that's content that like doesn't fall in the, like, the, 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 I haven't seen represented in essays more, in, in, um, essay before, but, mm. you know, I think it's content that like, Every South African relates to like we all know like that there are new money black kids yes, and like, they enjoy behave them. and yeah, act a certain way. Yes. What do they do? Let's explore their lives. Like yes. why? Why are shows like that not getting? There was that one show. I think it was called a Yep Yep. Was um the one that was like in an advertising in thing and Yep Yep. No, I don't know that. <sighs> okay. Well, there was this one show that was like super progressive and like mm. really young and modern and it felt so fresh and I was like, wow, this is fun. Like, but it only had one season. So it's just, it's just so disappointing that like stories like yours and, and, and like, you know, content. But it speaks to what we spoke about earlier in that, like, in the same way I was saying that like, we have a really progressive constitution, but the audience is still, mm. we as, the, as a nation are still catching up to that. Because yeah. when you start to tell those stories, there's a lot of people who are just really rooted in their traditional beliefs and what they grew up on but not everyone needs to watch everything because yeah. it's like but that's the the problem is like that's the way the funders of these things exactly see everything see it. like if we can't get the whole 18 to 28 demographic then we shouldn't do it mm. yeah you know because I, I think of like a show like Atlanta yeah and just like how fucking beautiful it is yeah. that like this is a show completely about blackness and not just about blackness but blackness in a specific region mm-hmm. and it's crazy it's over the top and it expects the audience to deal with the fact that there's no continuity. This is about a, a rapper and a manager, but yeah. you never hear the one dude rap. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just, and it gets random and it gets crazy, but it still makes sense. And it explores a lot of very sincere topics just yeah. in its own way. And I'm like dying to see content like that. Because mm. I don't want to have to go into HBO yeah. yes. to have to watch something. I want to turn on SABC1 and be like, oh, look uh, what I can watch for yeah. free. You know yeah. what I mean? 
Exactly. So wait, like, how do you? What's the next step? How do you get? How do you get there? How are you planning to get to that space? And do you even want to get to that space where you have your shows like yes, playing I on SBC and Zanzi Magic? And, and I stuff. want it to be accessible to people who don't have Netflix. Yeah. You see, so that's I've been sitting on this Netflix thing for like a year because I'm really trying to interrogate the various distribution channels that can be available to everyone mm. because especially booked the series is a very specific story of a person who moves from rural eastern cape into contemporary cape town but a person who went to like um a very kind of posh middle sea school yeah. and who's been dealing with whiteness for a very long time and then coming to cape town and dealing with it on a, on a different, different level yeah. but like and it, it, when I screened it last last week at Sisterhoods of Cinema, there was a very Pop wide <laughs> SWIFT. They call them SWIFT. Yep. That's, the, that's the acronym. Um, so the audience was like, it was very, it was varying, like an economic bracket. Yeah. But so everyone there could like relate to some aspect of this thing. Yeah. And so this is what I hate about funders and distributors compartmentalizing South African audience yeah. mm. and being like the mass audience can only take this and this, you know, that's yeah. complete bullshit. Mm. And also what I, I don't, don't, don't people understand the idea of like aspirational consumption? Like even though like they, even though they're not seeing a version of their life that they can like exactly specifically like relate to, but they yeah. can understand that like I'm not living this life, but there are people living lives like this and the story is engaging enough for me to still want to watch it. Just to want to watch stuff. it. Yeah, because that's fundamentally if the story is good and it's well written, anyone can watch anyone. it. Anyone. Essentially. Yeah. 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 I can watch a movie about some kid having a bar mitzvah in fucking Paris speaking French and I can relate to it if the characters are well developed. Yes. Yeah. I'm not Jewish, I'm not yes. white, I don't speak French, but I can relate. It's the way that like I think of like the Marvel Cinematic yeah. Universe doing mm. so well. Like no one hears Iron Man. Yeah. No one hears Thor. No one. But we enjoy those films. Yeah. <laughs> like, call me by your name. That yes. is just like I mean like completely removed from my reality and my experiences hey, and, I knew you, know, you were going to bring that up I, <laughs> I think of that movie and I get teary but because because the story was so beautiful yeah. and the characters and the relationships were just so well developed it still resonates with you and it, it resonated with my experiences of first love even mm. though I'm not a young handsome boy yeah. in the south of Italy falling yeah. in love with a man you know what I mean I could yeah. still truly resonate with that story and, and this is the problem is that South African funders and investors are very backwards and they still kind of group their audiences with something called LSM the living mm. standards measure and I'm like this Wait, is the most dated yeah. living standards measure it's levels 1 to 12 and like if you're in level 12 you are associated with certain brands like mm. Gucci and Louis Vuitton. And if you're level yeah. one, you are like associated with brands like Ace. Mm. And it's like, yeah. It's, it's used by like marketing people essentially to try figure out like, it's just, it's just like, it's like your tax brackets yeah. essentially. And they look at like how much money you earn what kind of assets you have at home? What kind of brands the, you the buy? The household kind of distribution. Yeah. So we're still like, out here segregating people. No, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. But the thing is, is that the reason why they've kind of thrown it out because it's, it's literally like a guideline. Like, if mm. this household has this and earns this, and they like this, this and, and they're this, this educated, then they fall into M yeah. three. You yeah. know what I mean? Shit. But the reason why they've had to throw it out because it's like there is no way of. I mean, people people have are exposed to so much now, and people's yeah. experiences are so varied that like, there's no way of, you know, actually defining it. 
if this person grew up in this standard like this, they're going to like these things because mm. we're all just influenced by so much. So, I mean, from a marketing point of view, they've pretty much like thrown it out because it's Not like it's production. no longer a justified or, or, or apt way to group people. But film producers are still taught to incorporate LSM yeah. when marketing a film for Like we are the production, to yeah, this type to of this thing. audience. Yeah. You know, and it's like, yeah, LSM is a prerequisite for any production is that Bible. like when you say that we're still taught, are you saying that in like a school level? In a school setting. Motherfuck. And also, if you're going to pitch your production Bible yeah, to yeah. a show max or whoever, you have to have your living standards measure included in that. Mm. As a producer who's coming here to pitch a project with a director or, or, or creator of something. And that's the, that's the first that's thing the I think. Problem. That's the problem. This is, that this, is so wild. This is what me. informs this co- like oh, segregated compartmentalization. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, dude. But no, it makes sense because like there have been projects that have been in It's like it's like how like, have you seen the KFC ads that play on SCBC versus the ones that play on Mnet? Yeah. yeah. You see, it's things exactly. like that. Because like, on it's the on, on SCBC we're trying to appeal to this type of market. Mm-hmm. And then on Mnet we're trying to appeal to that type of market. See, I've I've experienced it when like so there's been like there's been like three TV shows that mm-hmm. I've been like um, sort of contracted to on the basis that if 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 Mnet um, pays for like the rest of the season like so they'll make a pilot, so pilot okay yeah. and then like you know if if it all goes well then you'll be the guy mm-hmm. and of all the projects that I've said yes to it's always been like really like interesting out there like I remember once I was on a a musical time period piece in in the in the seventies that deals with how music influenced Black Revolution, you know? Oh. And I was like, motherfucker. That's amazing. Imagine a TV show that like that. That sounds so amazing. Like, in the how era. Like, wearing the uniform, be? singing the songs, like, because the youth was such an important part of yeah. that era. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And I was like, cool. I, I, like, I wish I could, I, like, I, I pray that I'm a part of this. And it got thrown off because it was like, no, 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 no. Like, why why time period piece? Like, this is, this is too much. It's, it's unnecessary. The budget is too high. And it sucks because basically what they're saying is don't be ambitious. Yeah. Yeah. Calm the fuck down. Don't be too creative. Do exactly what everyone else is doing. And then you'll be fine. And that's how you'll build a career here. And that like, that breaks my heart because I'm aware that like, I come from a background where I've been afforded the privilege to drink and breathe in so many things that are from like overseas and Mm. like international sort of like different spaces and seeing how big like your ambitions can Can go and unless we start to do that here locally we're teaching our future creators that they shouldn't dream big either yeah but also i just think from like a social engineering point it's like if we don't represent different types of stories i mean we're lucky because like because like we have like netflix subscriptions Mm. and we can watch hbo now and like Mm. you know we can see all these different types of you know media but what about someone that only has access to like the to acbc and all those things Mm. and they can only consume those like stereotypical yeah representations of of like what what the what the South African and South African black experiences and you've kind of like and that's all they see coming from South Africa and then anytime they see anything else it's foreign it's like oh okay so people abroad can, can live lives that. like exactly. that exactly uh, that and yeah. but people exactly. in South Africa if you're living in South Africa these are the issues you're going to deal with this is what you have to aspire to and like this is this is your reality yeah. I think and then you it, again and like young people are consuming that and they truly think like that's all there is that all it's mm. up to and i think it's important that you have to show different represents different types of living different 
stories and narratives just to expand people's yeah. minds and like, to make it accessible make it accessible yeah like i think i think about like black exploitation cinema in the yeah. 70s and how suddenly there was a whole range of films that showed black people as like really kick-ass mm. badass like like you know detectives cops yeah. and like just cool black people amongst this imp- oppressive environment yeah and what it does to the psychology what it does to the yeah. psychology of people. people and be like you know what i can be like um dolomite or yeah. i can be like, yeah. or if you're a black woman you can be like a uh, foxy brown yeah. you know you can really like become this powerful character and it's those characters are such a big influence on how the youth develop that like it's really sad that we don't do that yeah, yeah. but it's also really important that you are doing that in your own way because i feel like Another thing, to be big in South Africa, you almost have to be big overseas first. Exactly, that's what kills me, that all the good directors leave first, then they come back and then they get the recognition. Because mm-hmm. it's like, you have to be big there first. Like, oh, it really breaks my heart. And and no matter how many people we've had in, in this chair, like, they all say the same yeah. thing. It's, like you, have it's to... like, you have to leave first and then you're a name, like Oliver Hermanus, and then you come back and then it's like, everyone's like, oh my God. We'll trust you. Know, you. We'll, we'll tr- trust you now. Just to give you trust. Just to, yeah. Mm. It's wild. You have, you have to get the rest of the world to kind of give you that applause before someone can just trust yeah. you for something. That's crazy. And like, so when I went to France, I did a I did a little pop-up internship with a sales and distribution company and they offered me a permanent place in LA in that company at Hyde Park Entertainment. Mm. And then I was at, okay, this is going to sound crazy. I was at Spike Lee's after party for Black Linesman's oh. premiere. Yo. And I spoke to <laughs> Don. And then I said, <laughs> <laughs> and then I spoke I, I saw Donald Glover there and I was like I obviously have to have words how did you not fall into a puddle of feet? of my own fucking yeah, I don't know I, mean, yeah. I was like well I was a little bit drunk so <laughs> I had that some helps. Dutch courage <laughs> and then I waited for him to like leave that like celebrities booth I caught the man outside on the sand mm. and I was like hey dude um I don't want to freak you out or anything, but I just want to talk to you and I just want one piece of advice. I've just been offered this thing here, but I've got a very important project that I'm doing at home. And he was like, stay at home. Like, or go to LA, use them to filter this thing. But know that if you're going to go to LA, you have to keep, you have to keep this thing in, at the forefront of every conversation that you have there mm. and then come back and do an Atlanta. And I was like, word. 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 Okay. Word. <laughs> so it sucks. Like for now, we have to fucking do that and yeah. not just exist at home and like invest in things here. Like Trevor Noah had to go to the Daily, Daily Show, Show. Mm. and then now. We were talking it's about like, that the other day that like if Trevor Noah had stayed here, he would just be a guy performing at yeah. like, you know, little it's theaters. Like Monte Cassino and like, yeah. yeah. You know, but like, comedy specials. Yeah. Yeah. Like he has to go overseas in order to have a talk show where he can speak to people on a broad scale about and like make them laugh about what's going on yeah. in the day-to-day sort of spaces but that also just speaks to the standard of south african performers that like you know here he was kind of just like he was a comedian like mm. but like mm. when he goes onto that international platform it's like they're able to recognize how talented he was and then like yeah, a voice and, it's, it's, the and it's like why exactly. can't you recognize that here he was literally that here Exactly, and you see that with a lot of um, artists in SA where it's like their talent has to be validated by the international yes. audience before we're like, yeah, actually, they are really talented. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they are quite good. Yeah. <laughs> That's sad. I mean, we were in um, <laughs> we were in Dubai last week mm. and we got to see a youngster perform mm-hmm. at this uh, streetwear festival. Mm-hmm. And before Youngster started, the whole, this big stage, this is festival of people, but this last artist had just kind of like chased everyone away. Okay. So when Yaksa comes on, it's like it's like just us, like yeah, like some South Africans <laughs> that were there. So yeah. we're like, all right, cool, like you know, we're gonna 
we're gonna power him through <laughs> yeah. this you know we're gonna make sure that we, we're, like, we're representing all the way yeah by the second song it was packed yeah Lit. and it's kind of like you know what our artists our creatives they're really 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 talented really good guys but they don't get the opportunity to show it yeah mm. and that's the sad part that's the sad part dude and for South African audiences to be looking like abroad for like some sort of blueprint approval thing mm. and I'm like guys these people have been around and in front of us this whole time yeah if we if we had the means to showcase how great great they were they would never have to leave yeah they would never yeah. have to leave yeah but I thank you so much for joining us thanks for having me guys <laughs> This was so fun. It was. Thanks for the run. <laughs> <laughs>